Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, my co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I'm your other co-host, Cam. And we are with you. Date of recording, uh, February 26th. It's a Sunday night. It feels weird because we never record on Sunday nights, but... We are doing so this week because I will be out of town on business for the majority of the week this week, so we, we had to shuffle things around. So, Cam's going to Tennessee to fight off a uh, bear that has suddenly come across a boatload of cocaine. Mm. He's taken it upon himself that for quote-unquote business, That's he right. has to save the world. Yeah, Chatt- Chattahoochee is where I'm headed. Um, and actually, I, you know... I think I've been reassigned since we last spoke, Kirk, to take oh. care of the cocaine shark that is in the Pacific Ocean right now. Oh my um, gosh, the shark? Yes. Uh, there there really was a story over the last few weeks, I can't remember exactly when it was, that um, a bunch of kilos of cocaine ended up in one of the oceans, and somebody tweeted at Elizabeth Banks and Chris uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller and was like, cocaine shark? And they were like, let's go. <laughs> Oh, oh, this is breaking. This is breaking news. I'm getting a report. There are 30 squirrels, oh, 30 no. squirrels in Florida and they are in, in Tallahassee and they are just wreaking havoc, eating people's <laughs> eyeballs out as we speak. They yeah. have consumed a, an insane amount, a copious amount of cocaine. The madness is never going to stop, ladies and For gentlemen. For real, what do you think, what do you think would be the worst cocaine infused animal? Like mm-hmm. out of all of the, out of all the possibilities that are out there, I don't, I definitely don't think cocaine bear is worst. Certainly not like a black bear. Um, yeah. Grizzly bear. Maybe so it's, it'd be up there on the list. Yeah. Cause the black bear is pretty fast, but it already has an aversion to attacking people right. unless provoked. But if you get something that already is provoked, exactly. you assume that aggression or is it the opposite? I feel like if you're already an aggressor, you're going to be more of an aggressor. I, yeah, I think it enhances. I think it just, it, it's right. like super soldier serum uh, for animals in, at least in the, in this world that uh, has so been created. Like a cheetah. You get like a, yeah. Like a coyote. Like those would be nuts. Anything, anything that's fast is a, is a problem. Anything that can is fast and can kill quickly, I think, is a problem. I think uh, sleeper pick probably uh, cocaine hippo would be (laughs) would be really bad um, because they are fast and they are extremely aggressive and they are huge. So I feel like that that to me it feels like high on the list. Yeah, that thing could stomp you out with one hit, or just sit on you, taking a break from its long day and kills, and just. You're well, and done. you're you're only safe in the air from that thing, like right land or sea. It's gonna get you. Cocaine Hippo coming out as the fourth <laughs> sequel to Cocaine Bear. Dude, they probably will do a whole whole slew of these. By the way, we're reviewing Cocaine Bear. That's why we're having this conversation in the first place. That's what this episode is, is about. <laughs> but I couldn't wait. Uh, Kirk Kirk tar- started talking about cocaine squirrels, and I was like, okay, here we go. Are we going to get the E, the explicit E for talking about cocaine on this show? Is that how That's that works? Great question. You know, part of one of the, you know, I love gimmicks here. I have my, my Thai beanie baby with me. Um, his name is Blackie, not labeled by me, labeled by labeled Thai. Labeled by so Thai, yeah. Let's talk about that. 1994 is his birth date. Um, so I, I, one of the gimmicks I thought about was bringing in powdered sugar and throwing it all over oh, myself. No. Oh, <laughs> but, no. 
I just want our video to be seen. So I fought against <laughs> it and I really don't want to clean it up. So yeah, that's always, yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, the E that'd be interesting because it, it toes the line. Uh, it's very, it's, you know, it's a narcotic. And yeah. And we're not even, we're not even cause, cause, okay. So in real life, if a bear, you know, in real life, the, there was a bear that ate cocaine, right? That part of it is true. That is correct. But it died. Um, yes. because yes, that would happen. So we're, we're talking all of it. It yeah. didn't just like find a little, get a little high and move on. It just died. It ate it a whole like so kilo. Much. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're kind of talking about fake cocaine here because we're talking about this movie. Right. You know, because yeah, it's just, it's not the same. So I don't know. You decide Apple podcasts. What do you do <laughs> to the algorithm? This is fake cocaine bear. <laughs> if you can hear us, if you can hear us algorithm, <laughs> we're talking about, they can hear we're everything. talking about fake things. We're talking about fiction. Um, okay. All of that aside, cocaine hippo and all, and the mini sequels that will surely come from this film. <laughs> Let's talk about, I want a t-shirt that says cocaine. hippo. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know where we are at right now, but I, I do want that movie. Like people, if we're talking sequels, I want that one. That, that would be the one that I would root for. Yes. Um, let's talk about this movie. Let's, let's talk about cocaine bear. The movie we are reviewing this week. It uh, has done pretty well in theaters uh, for a B movie horror comedy. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't really know exactly what the bar is for something like this, but it has done, I think, probably about as well as you would expect it to do, given the very, like, the novelty of the name and the concept and things like that. You expect people to show up, um, and I feel like it's been about in line. Uh, critics are mostly split on this movie, I have noticed. Uh, I've read a few reviews since we since we saw the movie. Uh, so I'm, I'm eager to see where we land, Kirk, because I feel like the... Sometimes when you see a movie, you kind of know, at least, I don't know, Kirk, are you like this, like you kind of know the general region of yep. where the score will probably land for just about everybody who watches it, like give or take with this movie. I feel like that range is like extremely wide. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. When I, when I see a movie, typically if I get bored, I will rank the movie and I'll be like, this is the number I feel this is. Yes. And then I'll let the movie play out and then I'll adjust if, if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it has a redemption possibility with yeah, this yeah. one. I'll tell you what happens in just a little bit. Yep. Yeah. We'll get into it. All right. Uh, I have the pleasure of synopsing this movie for us today, Congratulations. Um, which is great because it's like the easiest job in the history of the world because, <laughs> uh, and we will be discussing spoilers. If, if spoilers can even be a thing in this movie. Cocaine I don't know. We're, we're not leaving anything off the table, but I'll just say that before I get into the synopsis. But the synopsis is, this is a movie about a bear consuming a comically large amount of cocaine and then going on a killing spree through the Chattahoochee National Forest. Um, there are many different factions of people who end up in the forest. Uh, there is a group of kids who are skipping school and they're, you know, one of the kids' mothers is trying to find them. There is the park ranger and uh, wildlife safety inspector. There is the uh, drug runners, you know, the drug traffickers who are trafficking the cocaine through the country for the cartel who are trying to find the cocaine. And then there are the police who are trying to find the traffickers. And that is basically uh, 
all of the different forces that are at play here. It's about that simple. There is a killing bear who is like crazy on cocaine to a level that is obviously not realistic or possible. And that is the premise of the movie. I don't think I missed anything because there's really, it's, it's, this is, uh, people call movies like this high concept, which yep. is if you can say the exact premise of the movie in a very simple statement, um, it would be considered high concept. This is the highest of high concepts and uh, that takes on multiple meanings. So there you go. That's it. I, I mean, you don't need, that's it. You look at the picture of this movie, the poster. <laughs> it speaks it's like, for I know itself. Exactly what I'm seeing. I'm not going to see a psychological thriller. <laughs> Directed not... by David Fincher. <laughs> uh, it's just exactly what it is and needs to be. That's it. Yes. All right, Kirk, let's get into this. Um, we're going to start as we always do with a category we like to call and the Oscar goes to, which goes to the best actor in the film. Uh, based on our personal opinion. I am going with an actor that I think needs a few more shots in this uh, in this industry, and that's Mr. Alden Ehrenreich, um, who famously and maybe infamously <laughs> played Han Solo in the uh, Star Wars Solo spinoff, prequel, whatever. Um, and that movie certainly had mixed feelings, and it's kind of... In my opinion, hurt Alden Ehrenreich's ability to be cast in things because people are worried about the baggage that that brings. Because Star Wars fans, again, the worst. And I say that as someone who really likes Star Wars. But Star Wars fans, the fandom, if you will, they're terrible, terrible. Um, all that aside, Alden Ehrenreich is one of the few characters in this movie who, or one of the few actors in this movie who really committed to their character on every possible level. He, he seemed to actually understand where this character was at in life, um, within the actual plot of the movie, having been someone who just lost his wife or girlfriend, I can't remember if they were married, what have you, um, and who has a son and is having a hard time dealing with responsibilities and is trying to kind of like start a new path for himself. He understood that. And he also, outside of the movie, in the in the more meta self-aware sense understood the type of movie he was in, which is a horror comedy B movie knockoff because this isn't really a B movie. It's just, it's kind of just meant to emulate one. I, uh, you know, in, in, in such a way. So it's just kind of, uh, an, um, an, an homage to B movies, but he got that too, because he had some of the lines that you would expect to hear in a B movie. Like the bear did, bleeping cocaine, you know, like just really uh, corny, over-the-top, campy kind of lines. And he sold out, delivered it perfectly right, and went back to doing his job. And so he just had this level of awareness of exactly what kind of project he was in, exactly where his character was at, and how that affects the movie and what his role is in the movie. And it was just all very balanced, in my opinion, which is something that I felt like was hard to find with some of the characters in this movie. There was a lot of imbalance going on where you're seeing like from scene to scene, you don't know what version of the character you're going to get. Whereas Alden Ehrenreich's character, whose name I cannot even remember Eddie. Um, he was, you knew who he was. He was an actual fleshed out character. Thanks to the work that was done by Alden Ehrenreich. So that is my Oscar goes to. Your Oscar goes to is a fantastic choice. 
a fantastic choice. I agree with you in the fact that Solo is criminally underrated and uh, destroyed mm. by the Star Wars fandom. And we are not those people. We can appreciate a good performance that Alden Ehrenreich gives in that movie. And it should be a petition to uh, kill uh, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where is he going? <laughs> who says that they do not like that movie. <laughs> oh, man. You chose the most extreme verb you could have possibly. I mean, they're, they're probably more extreme, but that was pretty darn close. Uh, wow. Agree. I, I agree, though. I agree. I tried to sugarcoat it. I, I cannot. I cannot. It, that's just facts. <laughs> well, you should kill him. Uh, uh, hey, you know. I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're right. Let's just leave it at that. Oh, a man was found murdered here in South Carolina. <laughs> Ask him real quick. Uh, look through his things. Did he like Solo? Uh, yes, 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 sir. yes he, he did. He did. Okay, Kirk's not the killer. Fair, He's fine. Fair play. <laughs> oh, gosh. My Oscar goes to Carrie Russell tonight nice. on Cocaine Bear. Oh, I feel a little... A little buzzed from all my uh, my caffeine tonight. Uh, just remember that this is all all fictional. Um, Carrie Russell, what what an incredible incredible career she's had. She was just an absolute star in the '90s and still kept steady work through the 2000s. But really, we didn't see her in the biggest, um, baddest, best projects until about mission impossible three she showed back up after felicity um then we saw her pop in on things like uh, waitress uh, which is now a broadway musical of course that was the source material and then of course we had the americans on fx which was a hit incredible show and then she was in the star wars speaking of star, <laughs> star wars, wars <laughs> all roads lead back to star wars franchise and now here she is in cocaine bear Every step that she's taken, no matter what she performs in, no matter what the quality of the film or TV series is, girl delivers. She was in an episode of Boy Meets World back in the day. I think the first or second season or both killed it, killed it. She's on screen for maybe four and a half minutes. She is so good and also criminally underrated. And that's why it's so exciting to give my Oscar to her because she is surrounded by absolute imbeciles in this movie and her whole goal her main objective is to find her daughter and to bring her home safe and to reconcile kind of just the rough uh circumstances that they are dad's not around she's got to deal with that and she's dealing with being a single mom a nurse lots of hours so her her story everything about it is so fully formed it's so important that she plays it straight and not comedically yet because of her circumstances when she comes upon this cocaine bear the situation is still hilarious you could have also killed carrie russell in this film at any moment and still it would have been a great decision anyone is vulnerable anyone is uh, is able to be killed in this movie but it's 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 so good that she did what she did. Uh, it's so impressive that we haven't seen a bad performance from her. And it's also so depressing that we haven't seen her nominated for the big leagues because she's absolutely on every one of those levels. And I think she just deserves a chance to be in one of those projects that gets a lot of notoriety. Maybe she doesn't want to. And that's perfectly fine, too. But for this, she wins the award tonight. Nice. Carrie Russell, I agree with you. Underrated. She needs more flowers. She doesn't get enough. Um, good pick, good pick. All right. I'm going to kick us off with scene stealer and my scene stealer is going to O'Shea Jackson. 
um, who is another person who I feel like deserves more roles. And, and this was, you know, I talked a little bit about imbalanced roles earlier. I wouldn't say that he had a perfect performance in this movie, but what I love is that he shares with his father, Ice Cube, the innate ability to play an amazing straight man in a comedy. The, the ability to deliver one-liners with the most dumbfounded look on his face. Like the person he's talking to just said the dumbest, most insane thing ever. And to just keep the straight face and, and deliver it. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it is something you can't teach. It is something that is clearly genetic and it is something that I just love. I think about, um, you know, this movie was produced by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller who definitely have it, you know, make an impact on their films and ice cube of course, stars in the 21 and 22 jump street movies, which were produced by the same guys. And, uh, they just play a very specific role in these types of comedies that are absurd and they just kind of ground it. And O'Shea Jackson was the, he, he is the whole time sort of outside of the, of the chaos. He's not letting himself get pulled into everybody else's crazy psychotic behavior. And then in the end, he's just like, here's where we're at, you know, like the, the situation is what it is. We're fighting a cocaine um, bear and we just got to do what we got to do. And I love that portion of his performance and the way that he was able to play a really excellent straight man to so many different scene partners in this movie and to just always deliver the best, most deadpan responses that um, oftentimes led to some pretty good laughs uh, in a movie that needed more laughs, in my opinion. So um, I, I give him a lot of credit for that. Oshie Jackson. Wonderful. My scene stealer. Let's go back to Alden Ehrenreich because, nice. I mean, I can't tell people that I'm going to literally unalive them without liking his performances and then not choose him for one of my awards. Um, he has the second most fully formed character in this film. And the reason that's important, you can certainly have ridiculous and uh, characters that are dead ends that are that are strictly caricatures. Um, but this movie towed the line between stupid and what if this was real? And so if you have that, then your then your characters who do have real stakes, like Alden Ehrenreich's character does, he is depressed, he has lost love, he has devastated, his world has collapsed, he has nothing else to live for. But then when put against real danger, real physical danger, his heart changes and his mind changes and he realizes there's more to life than just this one loss, right? So the reality of his circumstances, when that is played as he does, that is where the real comedy comes into play. He's not shooting for the laughs by crying uh, overtly, uh, just to be crying overtly. He's crying because as an actor, he is connected with the devastation of his loss. And that is hilarious, hilarious juxtaposition against he is also a drug distributor, drug runner, drug soldier, uh, and then has to fight a cocaine bear who's consumed said cocaine. That all together is where the comedy plays in and how he has to uh, just follow orders or, you know, probably be, probably be killed by his partner and by his boss. Um, and so his circumstances become very chaotic and somewhat believable because of his excellent commitment to every beat. So Alden Ehrenreich, you got my scene stealer tonight. Well, fantastic job. Love it, man. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was able to generate some pretty funny laughs just by being his character and his character yeah. being the like 
very pitiful sack of a human being that he was and, and where he was in his life. And it's just, yeah, some great moments, great moments there. Uh, some of the best in the whole movie. Um, okay. Let's move to showstopper and talk about the meat and potatoes of this movie and what works and what doesn't. We'll start with showstopper and then go into director's shoes. Um, showstopper for me, there is one set piece in this movie that I feel like is extremely effective. Um, stays within its premise, maximizes its premise and checks all the boxes for what this movie probably should have been the whole entire time. And that is the set piece inside the ranger station when the paramedics are arriving to answer a call for help. (laughs) They have been called um, because uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character just beat up three hoodlums in in a bathroom after they tried to attack him. And one of the one of the guys gets concussed in the midst of that. So they, they think they're responding to a concussed person call. When they arrive, carnage has ensued in the ranger station. The, the park ranger has accidentally um, headshotted a kid from basically point blank range and, and killed him. And the bear has broken into the ranger station and every beat of this is so well executed and choreographed all the way down to we're cutting back and forth between the one paramedic who's checking in on the park ranger. The other paramedic is about to discover the bear in the back room, lurking in the shadows with blood everywhere. And we keep cutting back and forth until finally the one, the park ranger is so shocked that she can't get out the word. She's trying to say bear. She's just like, but, and it's all very campy and, and, and beautiful and magical. And we keep cutting back and forth until finally she picks up the stethoscope and whispers in it, bear. And then they show the bear in the room. It busts down the door. And it just gets even crazier from that. The gore intensifies. Um, the bear is chasing them as they're driving away and shooting at it. Like, it is just maximum chaos. I think they do lean a little bit too heavily on the gore to get the effect that they want when they could get more genuine laughs than just like shock laughs but overall that scene right there it's like i don't know five to eight minutes it's lovely it's exactly what this movie should be and i just couldn't get enough of it that was it was like that it could have been this movie could have been a short film that was just that and i would have been just as pleased if not more so yeah yeah you're right on the gore like that headshot is so brutal bro it's insane and then even the aftermath of it when he's on the floor there is just absolute carnage it just it's nuts dude it's so so graphic (laughs) it is it's really it's a really graphic sequence it's too much for this movie for that's what it that's what it's it like Tarantino. It's like it's like Inglorious Bastards is is what yeah. it reminded me of, honestly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about my showstopper. Mine is strictly the bear itself. The CGI for the bear itself. Your movie, Cocaine Bear. The bear has to be uh, a threat, but also comedic. And when I look at this bear, I'm like, the CGI is good, but it's not great. And I think that is a, a very purposeful selection from the creative team. Because one thing is you want this bear to look ridiculous now and 10 years from now and 30 years from now. Uh, the Jumanji test is going to be great. Uh, if, if you've ever seen Jumanji, uh, if you saw it, had the had the wonderful... Uh, bliss and and blessings of being able to see Jumanji 1 with Robin Williams, Kirsten Dunst 
uh, when it premiered, you know that you were just blown away by the graphics. And then you watched it as an adult and you're like, oh my gosh, what an absolute garbage show that this CGI that did not stand the test of time. But so the Jumanji test against this is that it's going to be way better than that, but it intentionally will be not as great as it could have been because it's a story about a bear who consumes all of this cocaine so the threat is both somewhat scary and then hilarious so the the design on the bear the cgi of the bear the fact that it was all cgi good job and it's gonna age poorly and that's what i love so much about it i loved how at times i was genuinely scared i'm like oh goo i don't want to see the blood on his teeth like that's that's a lot and you know like i figured it might be like blood stain but oh my gosh and then other times when like just as cam described when he's leaping like 400 feet into an ambulance driving at 80 miles an hour but he land he sticks the landing and he gets inside the ambulance it's so perfect that that is just it just made me giggle so hard in the theater those moments the absolute absurdity of things that can't really happen and wouldn't really happen those are the things that this movie wins at the most so the bear itself big win for this film i love it and i think that you're exactly right on the money that the design of the bear was probably painstakingly intentional i I think that it was it was just rife with intentionality they needed this bear to look a certain way that it still was effective but it also has to be hilariously bad at times yes. and, and, and a lot of the time. Um, so it's, it is, I think that was probably one of the hardest things to balance for them, but they, they really did nail it to your point. I, I totally agree. Yes. All right. Let's talk about director shoes and where this movie could have gone better. Um, for me, this is a tough one too, because to me, this is the one thing that cannot happen. It cannot happen. Okay. And that is underutilizing your premise, which is exactly what happened here. Here you are making a movie, a B horror comedy movie. So basically anything goes because it's supposed to be ridiculous about a bear on cocaine who has survived and is on a killing spree. Okay. So we talk a lot on this podcast about the rules of the world. Whenever you write a movie and whenever you film a movie, um, you are sort of, implicitly imply like you are implying certain rules within that world so that the audience knows what can and cannot happen in the world. And when you break those rules, it causes the audience to question what's going on here. Um, so a lot of times rules can be restrictive because if you're in a sci-fi movie and certain things do happen typically, but other things don't. And then you do that. Um, it makes people kind of squeamish. And so you, you, you can kind of get boxed in by rules this had the opposite problem, which is you've got a movie in which in this universe, a bear can eat a kilo of cocaine and more and then snort some cocaine and then do whatever and live and not only live, but like thrive, like become a super monster apex predator, like crazy thing. <laughs> and yet you choose not to go, you choose not to take the rules and, and, and apply it to everything else. You choose not to go, okay, if in this world, this bear can do all these things, what other kinds of ridiculous things can happen? What kinds of injuries can people get? What kinds of crazy things can happen when people shoot at the bear? Maybe the bullet bounces ping pongs around and does something stupid and breaks a tree branch and some guy falls out of it. Like so much of this movie 
was mundane, actually. And you end up, um, when they finally get to the gazebo, which is something that they're kind of getting to the whole time, and you get the sense that it's going to be sort of the climax of the film. When they actually get there, the movie grinds to a screeching halt and has choppy dialogue, weird editing, which was a problem, honestly, throughout the movie, um, and just an overall sense of momentum depleting, when that should have been a really chaotic sense, because here you've got the cops or the detective who's there to find the drug dealers, the drug dealers who are there to find the coke, the bear who's there because he smells the coke and all of them are there. Oh, by the way, Ray Liotta, his character is coming with a long-range hunting rifle. This should be chaos in, that ensues, and there should be funny antics, etc. Um, but they fail to deliver on that. The funniest bit that they sort of come up with is the bear passing out on top of Alden Ehrenreich, and that bit works, but it's not enough to carry the whole scene. And overall, there's just too many times where you're kind of checking your watch in this hour and a half movie, being like, okay, when's something funny or, or cool or whatever going to happen? You're expecting just a, a, a riotous good time throughout because that's what it should be if you maximize the premise. But this movie did not maximize the premise. And I, I have been shocked to see that there are some critics out there whose reviews I've read and they're saying this movie maximizes its premise. I feel like that is the one thing this movie absolutely unequivocally fails to do. And it's the one thing that cannot happen. That was, I love it. I love how precise it was. Uh, I have several bullet points on my notes here. So let's get started. This movie needed to be so much stupider and it yes. tried so hard to incorporate uh, such intelligence and um, explanations and you didn't need that you have the setup for each of the characters what's their main objective Carrie Russell nurse find kid Alden Ehrenreich uh, broken hearted needs to find hope right then you have these the, the kids who get way too much screen time by themselves alone in the woods that they're just bantering they don't really have a goal because they're kids they just need to be survivors in against the cocaine bear okay you have the park ranger who's in love with this supervisor park ranger guy manager i don't know his costume design was awful it didn't fit the part at all um he was goofy enough but why wasn't he also in a park ranger outfit um like they, they did they messed up those characters they spent way too much time on all of them i knew we needed to divert from the bear to be able to build the suspense of the bear but there was just so many side characters that just didn't pay off that they when they converged all together they didn't really converge like if you're going to set up all these like this web of people like here's Ray Liotta coming after um O'Shea Jackson and, and Alden and we have the the kids and we have Carrie and we have the park ranger like and we have the police detective and and the tr the twist if you will uh spoiler <laughs> that the, the girl uh his sidekick his partner whatever she is was uh was in on it too with Ray Liotta like all of that combined, it tried to be so expository and so explanatory, and it should have just been absolutely stupid. It should have been like an SNL sketch on literal cocaine. <laughs> so we never got that, and that was so disappointing. Um, one kind of 
you know, silver lining is that this was Ray Liotta's final performance. He did a good job, but I feel like it was unfortunately kind of wasted. But the silver lining in itself is that he did get a chance to see the bear in its final form, and he did give it a big green light thumbs up. So thank goodness for that. Um, I know Cam liked O'Shea Jackson Jackson's uh, performance. He did what he could. His character was written poorly, unfortunately, uh, from, from my perspective. Um, and then what I don't like also back to the police detective is that there was these reservations at the end. We have this dream sequence that he's like, Oh, I can't wait to be with my little puppy that I, that I gave to my partner to watch over, but he didn't want the dog immediately. And then all of a sudden he was like longing for it, but we never got that full connection. I feel like there's some deleted scenes in here. Um, There's poor editing throughout, but there are definite moments that happen that you're like, how did we get here? That's never been mentioned. We've never fully come across this in this short story. And the final two things, this is about the eighties in the eighties. It had some eighties music, but it was like the wrong eighties music. Like it was, really loud and just not quite right. Um, I felt like I got it. Like I was like, yes, give me some more eighties music, but it never really meshed with the scene that was in front of us. And then I do like that. We ended up in a crazy cave. Like how many eighties movies ended up in a crazy uh, remote cave that has like this in giant uh, catacomb and cliff. It leads to a waterfall. I can think of three uh, at least. And I love that, but, because we lost momentum so much earlier on, just as Cam said at the gazebo, when we finally get there, it's like, why? And then when we are there, it takes so long to end this movie. I got up and I went to the bathroom and came back. I missed like four or five minutes and we were still at this freaking cliff. It drove me crazy. So all of those combined, I have a lot of notes why this was upsetting because this could have been an easy home run, but ultimately it should have been stupider. And it just tried to be too sophisticated. Yes. Yes. To so many things. I'm so glad you brought up the music. I'm going to talk about it in my final thoughts and scores too, <laughs> because you know, you guys know if you listen to the show, like I'm a bloodhound for musical weird stuff that's happening. And this movie was chock full of it, but final thoughts and scores. This one's tough because there, there are things to like. I think there, there is so much potential here. This could have been a really iconic movie if they played their cards right but weirdly i felt like they chose to play it safe um which is such an odd choice when this is the premise that you're rolling out but they really did like i think they tried to hide behind the self-awareness of the movie which is not cool you have to fully lean into it and let people know that you're being super intentional in this movie there were times where you're like is that intentional or is it just bad because it wasn't intentional enough to be like oh, I see what they're doing here. That's really clever. Um, And frankly, I expect more from a movie produced by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. I just do because their their shop has cranked out so many great movies. And I know that Elizabeth Banks, this is her directorial debut. She's been looking to get into this. Um, She has, you know, great comedic instincts and and can definitely do this. And and there was so much potential there, but they chose to play it safe. They chose to not fully utilize their premise, like I said, and they just didn't make this what it could have been. So much wasted potential. The editing is a disaster all throughout, and that's one of those things where it's like, you can't just tell me that's all for self-awareness because it's in points where they're they're trying to genuinely tell you the story. Like, it's 
there are scenes cutting back and forth where you're like, you could have just done this all in one chunk scene and then all of this in another chunk scene and had the same effect and it would have been better because it wouldn't have been so bizarre. The music is awful, low budget, terrible, and used incorrectly. It is distractingly bad at times whenever they're going between those scenes like I talk about. They just kind of like, it's like there's some dude sitting at a soundboard just like, fade up on the 80 synth loop fade down like it's it's almost like watching a sitcom it's so bad um and and there's just i can't get over how much they wasted what could have been good they had a they had a good cast albeit a little bit weird cast but they had a good cast they had um some characters that were really well flushed out they had a concept that should have been a, sl- a home run where you almost can't take it too far. It's almost like a Sharknado type of thing where you almost can't go too crazy. Um, and they just kind of fumbled the bag, honestly, on it. So there were parts of it that I found enjoyable. Most of it, I, I was honestly checking my watch and just being like, okay, you know, I kind of see what we're here for and I'm not feeling it. So. I can't go too high on it. I I don't want to go disastrously low because like I said, there is some potential here and some bits that are memorable and fun. Um, So I'm giving it a 4.0 out of 10 kernels and that's as high as I feel comfortable going to be honest. It's a, that's a nice score. That's a nice score for this movie. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll be brief. I'll be brief. This, this movie is uh, something that could have had really, really, incredible 80s vibes that could have had they could have studied 80s shots the close-ups the random cutaways the randomly long extended scenes where there's no cuts and then the ones that are super quick and and weird angles and 80s angles that you know um romantic romantic rumblings and and uh, Lovers, if you will, you know, trumping through the woods. There are so many things that could have been injected into this to to make it because I feel like that was kind of the goal, but it it got just swept away and everything else. And for that, I'm, I'm very sad. I'm very sad. Uh, shout out, though, for all the St. Louis uh, texts that are going on. We're from the St. Louis area. We're 15 minutes away from downtown St. Louis. So anytime we see that on the screen, you know, whoop, whoop, very exciting. I want to know what dive bar that they were in. If it was based on a real one, uh, it'd be very exciting to see what that looks like. So I think that all of this together, I have to give some love for the scenes that I absolutely loved and discredit it where honestly where it just fell so short it needed to be stupider if there's a director's cut because the studio messed with this elizabeth thanks please release it because i would love to see that version of it if it exists today my score 5.5 out of 10 kernels nice yeah director's cut i could totally see them like trying to maximize on like blu-ray sales by being like unrated cocaine bear more cocaine <laughs> more, more death. bear <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i was you know you, you mentioned the st louis connections i was pretty dismayed to learn that the entire thing was shot in ireland the entire thing every every what? single part of it which at first i was like huh like that's just not something you really see very often because of like you know, the Georgia tax breaks and the California tax breaks and all of these different places, Canada, you know, where you can go and kind of get movies made for cheap yeah. and cheapish and they have, you know, all the things set up. So I was very floored to see 
Ireland, especially for a movie that's meant to be shot in like the Appalachia region. Um, Felt like there were, felt odd, but you know, they, they created the desired effect, I guess, with the, with the look of it. Um, But yeah, there we go. 4.0 for me, 5.5 from Kirk. Uh, It's a movie about a bear on cocaine. It is a movie. You know, I see there's a meme out there now that's like (laughs) people (laughs) tweeting it. I actually find it kind of funny. Um, Like if, if a MCU movie comes out like Ant-Man, people saying uh, it is definitely a movie that exists, uh, which I think is kind of funny. That's how I feel about cocaine bear. It is definitely a movie that exists. I don't have, I do have strong feelings on it, but they're not overwhelmingly positive. So I saw a satirical tweet from, I believe the the handle is Lesson of Files <laughs> that I follow, and it said, breaking Kevin Feige to bring Cocaine Bear to the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would be awesome. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's it's a memeable movie, I think. Maybe, maybe it'll get some play from that. I don't yeah. really know, but... We will see. If you saw Cocaine Bear this weekend, let us know your thoughts. Let us know how you felt about it. Um, or if you go see it and you're you're seeing you know listening to this at a later date, let us know. Uh, we we certainly appreciate you listening or tuning in on uh, your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. We very much appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We've had a great month um, and and very much appreciate all the the love and support that you guys have given us by adding us into your routine, which we really. We really do not take lightly. Uh, I'm heading out on business this week, so this will be the only episode you get, sadly. But we are inching dangerously close to Oscar Awards Sunday, and Kirk and I are like, it's like uh, pop quiz, you know, cramming, trying to get ready for the awards. So we'll have tons of Oscars-related coverage coming for you um, in the coming weeks. But thank you guys so much for listening. We will leave you, as we always do, with a special thanks for our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music, which you are about to hear now. Catch those guys anywhere you listen to music, and we will see you next week. Talk to you then. Bye.